Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. So the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast, this is Barnsley, back again after a week off and we're going solo tonight, uh, so no Billy tonight, he'll be back again either next week or the week after. Uh, I had the week off because uh, my wife's actually due with that first, just so you guys know I wasn't slackening off, um, but uh, the baby's been a little bit more stubborn than what I would have hoped, so managed to get a podcast in for this week guys. Um, I'm not sure about next week. I'll have to just play it by ear, depending on when the baby decides to pop out and say hi. But until then, let's get stuck into this week. Um, so like I said, I will be going solo this week, change things up a little bit. We are going into head-to-head finals this week. Um, so that's probably a pretty big deal for a lot of teams in head-to-head for the overall guys. We are into the final, obviously, month of football. Um, so it's going to be pretty big for... Not just people in the top one or 200 that can still make a bit of a run, um, but also the people that just have goals like top 500, top 1,000, even top 10,000 and and so forth. So pretty big um, week of footy for everybody, really. How are we going to do this tonight? Um, At the end, I'm going to go through our normal TLT discussion and everything like we normally do on the All-Stars podcast. But to start off with, uh, we're going to do a couple of different segments. So the first one's a head-to-head final segment since... Head-to-head finals is kicking off from this week. More probably for uh, beginners or those that are newer to Supercoach, haven't really thought about it too much, or maybe some teams that are newer playing head-to-head and have mainly been overall before. Half a dozen sort of um, strategy points and things to kind of consider going into this round, just from purely a head-to-head perspective since the finals are starting. So probably the first thing is something that I've um, I've mentioned before and me and Billy have discussed on the podcast and, and me and Wilfred have discussed it as well in some of our earlier podcasts. Um, captaincy is the first thing. In head-to-head finals, captaincy is even more important. Um, it's a pretty big deal. Obviously, sometimes it goes without saying some of this stuff, but um, I still see people doing it all the time. Wait to put your captaincy on someone. So take the opportunity to get a free look at um, who your opposition is captaining and vice-captaining, and then wait until the very last minute as much as you can to put your captaincy on so they don't know exactly who you're going for, and that way you can use a bit of strategy on who you're going to choose. Probably one of the worst things to happen to you in a head-to-head finals matchup is when, you know, you say you're um, wanting to captain somebody in the, the second or third game or whatever, and the other person just ends up matching you right before lockout because they've already had most of their units play, and they already know that you're on top, and that's going to cancel out anything that you can do to try and win that matchup if you let it happen. Best thing to do is to be putting your captaincy on like a, a couple of minutes before lockout, um, just to make sure that they can't match you as an opposition, uh, and you've got all the advantages doing that. The other thing is as well, you obviously get that free look at what they're doing, so you can um, kind of plan accordingly without them really knowing. Number two is trade. So, First thing is burn them. So if you're in finals and you're a head-to-head only player especially, there's no point in making sure that you're saving a couple of trades for next week or or the grand final or anything like that because if you lose this week, you're not going to have a grand final, so it doesn't really make any difference. So you've got to burn the trades. Um, Trades are probably one of the bigger advantages um, that you can use to 
your benefit in getting a win in a head-to-head finals matchup. Never trade during, uh, never trade before a round starts. Always trade during that matchup because you don't want the opposition to know what you're doing, and you also want to see what the unique situation is going to be like. Um, so particularly if you've um, only got four or five uniques, being able to wait until that last couple of games of the round and trading in two other uniques that you know are going to be better than the guys that you're trading out that perhaps your opposition has, that can give you a really big leg up and a big advantage. This is a week to do it. Um, this is a week to pull out all stops and to do that sort of stuff. So definitely trade right before the lockout of each game where you want to play from them as much as you possibly can. Definitely use the two trades if you've got them. If you don't have the trades, fair enough. Um, but if you do, it's a massive, massive advantage. Third thing is to make sure you have options. So uniques become critical, and we just mentioned the uniques. Um, this is where some of the head-to-head teams that have maybe done really well throughout the season might have built their sides from round one just on you know 17 or 18 or 19 players and kind of not built up much from there where you'll see a lot of squads that are pure head-to-head squads that probably have five enoughs in them um, and have still managed to do well because they just use their trades each week. That's fine, um, but what it means is if, if you've done that and say you've only got 19 players at your disposal, you've got a lot less options um, to try and get better uniques in there to win a matchup during a round. Whereas if you're one of those teams that have 22 or 23 players, um, you've got a lot more options um, to get some better players in there. But also, in the back half of the matchup, if you're really far behind and you have hardly any uniques left, you actually give yourself an opportunity to have another crack at it and still win. Um, when otherwise, if you just left those players in, you're basically dead and buried and there's nothing that you can do. So having the options is good. Make sure that you're looking at them throughout the matchup to see if you maybe need to um, bench a big-name player like a Tom Malolo for a, for a Hail Mary guy that maybe has bigger upside like a Cody Walker or something like that. Um, and in that essence too, um, the kind of sub point three is make sure that you have those guys as your reserves, not as your starters, because if Tom is in your starting lineup, um, it might become a bit harder to get them out into um, for someone else. Um, whereas if you've got him as a reserve, then you can flick that reserve from a Tom Alolo to a, a Cody Walker at 5'8", or you know, a, a, a fullback or centre or any other position. So you don't, don't want to limit yourself. So any of the guys that you're thinking that you might be looking at dropping, especially the guns, make sure you put them in the reserve spots to give yourself some options. Um, and that'll let you have a few more cracks at the other team if you need to pull some big Hail Mary plays. Next on the list is to watch the other team for changes. So um, all the stuff that we're talking about now, the other team is potentially going to be doing as well. So you really need to be on your game and to be looking out for it. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been playing someone and I've changed the captain half an hour before kickoff because I, I couldn't do it right before kickoff or whatever. And then I check 10 minutes into the game and um, and they've changed it as well because they've been watching what I'm doing and they've matched my captain and so forth. So Make sure that you keep an eye on the other team because they're going to be doing some of the same stuff that you're doing potentially. Last thing on the list for the head-to-head finals, um, matchups are really important. And I don't mean your head-to-head matchup. I mean the matchups for that weekend. So have a look at that weekend's games um, and, and pick out ones where you think are going to be best for Supercoach. So for this week, Eels are playing the Titans and I would say that's the number one matchup. I, I would want as many pieces of the Eels as I could get in my starting seventeen because I think that they'll be able to put a good score on against the Titans. 
Um, and we'll talk about a few players, but um, the other team as well is South playing the Dogs. The Dogs are going to be better this week, but as far as matchups go, it's quite a good run for South. Um, and to a lesser extent, the Warriors have been playing a little bit better, but they're playing the Roosters away, and the Roosters have been doing pretty well too. So looking at the matchups, you know, you can kind of have a look at some players that you think might fire, um, not just for who you start, but also for who you're actually going to trade in. And some of those games are going to be later in the round too, so you can do some sneaky trade-ins. So that's just a few little things that I'll look for in my head-to-head matchups when I'm doing them um, to sort of give me a bit of an advantage. But the, the key thing, guys, is giving yourself as many options as you can to, to win the matchup. So as long as you give yourself all these options, you give yourself more chances to be able to have a crack at getting the win this week and moving on in the finals. So the next thing that we're going to talk about is we're going to go through some key players um, that are maybe pods or guys that aren't going to be um, aren't going to be played by too many active teams that might be options for this week. One of the big things um, with pods or, or these um, strike players that you might put in your head-to-head matchup is you're only looking at really this week, and if they've got a good draw sort of um, the week after, then you know that's great as well. But you're really looking at week to week when you're looking at head-to-head stuff, especially. But even for overall, you know, some of these guys look pretty good because they've got three out of four good matchups coming up. So the first guy on the list I, I mentioned a little bit before, and that is Micah Sebo. Sebo's obviously had a ripper of a season. He is 462k, so he's not too expensive. Um, he's only 16% owned, so it's not quite pod territory. But one of the things with players like Sebo is um, you're going to get that type of player owned by a lot of zombie teams. And by zombie teams, I mean teams that built their sides in round one and sort of fell off in round six or seven. There's going to be a lot of those, you know. Um, thousands and thousands of teams have, have dropped off at this point and aren't playing anymore. The reason why someone like Sevo is more likely to be in zombie teams than some other players is because he was a an early season cash cow right from the start. So a lot of teams that started um, playing at the beginning in round one we're going to likely have Sebo in there. Um, obviously, he was a big trade-out for a lot of sides. That's fine, but those zombie teams would have ended up just having him sitting there by default. So even though he's 16% owned, you, know, you might only find that even as little as 10% of, um, of active teams are actually going to be playing him at this point of the season. And certainly in head-to-head, um, you're cutting you know, your 20-man leagues down to eight, so there's even less teams available that are going to own Sebo. So he becomes a pretty good player um, playing against the Titans this week. He's averaged really well for the year. I guess one of the knocks on Sebo, um, and I can definitely see it because I was thinking last week he was going to go great, and uh, that is that he's getting some tries some games and not really scoring that well still. So last week against the Knights, he got 47 points with a try. It was off a kick, so it had no line break, but still you kind of expected it to be a little bit better. The three weeks before that, he scored a try in all those games and had 69, 69, and 56. Really solid. Um, but one of the things that's pretty apparent with Sebo is that he's um, he's getting solid 60s, basically, with with his tries. Good scores, but not phenomenal ones. Um, but there's a couple of reasons to maybe think that that might turn around. Now, the first one is he hasn't actually hit the Titans yet. Um, so... The, the Eels are playing the Titans for the first time this year, and the Titans are obviously right at the bottom of the table, and they're giving up a lot of points at the moment. There's not really um, much chance that's going to change for the Titans, I don't think. So it's good opposition for him that he hasn't played yet. He has shown 
aptitude to go on some big scoring runs still. Um, so I guess the glass half empty approach is that he's been scoring tries, but he's only been scoring, you know, good 50s and 60s. He hasn't really been doing anything massive. Um, but the glass half full approach, which I'm going to take with him, is I think that he's getting pretty close to having close to a ton again and putting up a big score um, because he's been going quite a while without one. If you look back to round six to eight, he um, had a really good run and he had the Tigers and Knights and Dragons for these games and he scored 80, 102 and 92. And he did that with uh, four tries across those three games. Brings us to the other point with Sebo and that is, you know, a lot of people will say, oh yeah, but if he doesn't score, he's in a lot of trouble. That's fine. Um, but with Sebo, I would almost discount... Um, him needing to score like maybe some other players do because he basically scores every game, guys. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't even worry about it. Um, in the last 10 games, he scored eight times. In the last 12 games, he scored 10 times. That's the type of run that he goes on. Um, and I actually made the comment to someone yesterday that, you know, it's, it's almost like a forward that offloads a lot. Um, and you, you just know that they're offloading, so you can almost count it as base for them, um, like a Tapao with his offload and so forth, and a TPJ and such. With Sevo, you can basically you know, count a try like an offload for those guys. It's, it's happening pretty much every game at the moment. He's got the Titans this week. He's also got the Bulldogs the week after, and then he hits the Broncos. So it's a pretty good three-week run um, against the Bulldogs the week after this. He's actually a bank west as well. So... Good run for the next couple of weeks for sure. Um, he's going to put up probably a solid score anyway. He's, he's well odds on favourite to be scoring a try this week. At worst, he's probably still going to be 50s or 60s. Um, and at best, he, he could definitely turn up and change your week. So I'm, I'm pretty good at big on Sevo, um, considering his ownership and how many people are playing. I will just give a quick shout out to Manu Ma'u, who uh, I know we've spoken about a lot. He's... Shot up in ownership, but he's still only 17% owned. Um, so we'll just throw in there that um, he's he's going to have a big opportunity running on that edge against the Titans. Um, that weak edge can definitely give up some points, and he can definitely hit a wide break and try this week potentially. So if you don't own him, even though he's a little bit more owned and probably more actively owned, um, despite being similar to Sebo at 17%, he's, he's, he's goal to get this week. If you're playing someone that doesn't have him, waiting until just before that Eels game later, and getting in Sebo uh, and Mao, that, that could be gold trades. They could both do really, really well this week against the Titans. Next guy on the list is from South, um, and that is Cody Walker. So Cody Walker's obviously had a bit of a drop-off in his form. That's been well documented that um, basically he seemed to get pretty scarred at origin time and then not be going too well since... He is only 10% owned, though, so he does qualify in that pod territory. 530-odd K. Last three weeks, he's really come to life. He's gone 60, 70, and 108. He scored two tries, and that's kind of the early season form that we've seen from Cody Walker. Um, so there's definite cause to think that he's, he's on the upswing. He's coming up against the Bulldogs, um, so that's a big tick for this week. Dogs have been playing better lately, but having said that, it is the type of matchup where Cody Walker can excel. And he has come back into form. And he isn't likely to be owned by many players that you're coming up against. Definitely a great um, hand grenade to throw in this week and hope that he throws up a ton. He's got the Broncos and the Warriors the two weeks after that as well. Um, so he's got the benefit of a decent one this week and then a couple of decent ones after that. 
he is playing the third last game too, so he gives you some options to maybe do it later as a Hail Mary move too. Um, so that works out quite good. I, I'm pretty big on Cody Walker. I think that um, those are the type of playmakers that you can get in that have the huge upside. He's already scored one game of 150 this year. Um, he's got 108 points that he scored just three weeks ago. So he's a definite big upside guy um, to consider. Next guy is a 5'8 as well, and that is Kiri. Now, Kiri was obviously a popular purchase for the round 16 buy. He still remains pretty popular. Um, he's only at 12%. So just outside of the pot ownership, and he's still only around 520-odd K. He did a 53 against uh, the Raiders last week, but the week before when he hit the Gold Coast Titans in a carve-up game, he scored 110. They had a bit of a tougher game against the Dogs where they didn't go as well, and they scored 20, and he scored 26. And the week before that, they smashed Newcastle, and he scored a 96. Um, pretty much Luke Keery will go close to turning up in any Roosters smash-up games. They're playing the Warriors um, at home this week. So if you think that the Roosters are going to put points on the Warriors, and I, I think that they will, then Luke Curry is a good chance to get in close to a ton. And he's one of those guys with huge upside to do that. Um, certainly there's a pattern with him. His big scores are the ones where they do um, carve up the opposition. And his lower scores are the ones where they don't, or it's a bit of a tougher matchup and he's kind of solid, like the 53 against Canberra last week. So Kiri at 12% owned, um, still isn't highly owned, and does look like um, a nice one. The week after the Warriors this week, they actually hit the Dragons as well, and the Dragons have obviously been playing not too fantastic. Pretty good matchups for Kiri, really like him. Um, even though this guy is not an option, I'm just going to give Tupo a shout-out because I did about six weeks ago uh, and said I was pretty excited to have him because I think he's pretty solid in the 60s and 70s for this Roosters run. He's only 450k still. He has been very good still. The last two weeks, he's gone 82 points against the Raiders, where he scored a double, and 76 points against the Titans with one try. Um, before that, he had some lower ones, 40, 56, 33, uh, 52, 60, and 69, and 55. But what you'll notice with Toops is, like Sevo, when the Roosters are on their runs, um, he's going to score most games. So... Out of the Roosters' last nine games, um, he scored in six of them. And that's kind of about his strike rate. He's going to be at about 65% of games he's going to score a try in. And that's a pretty decent strike rate. Now, the next two weeks with the Warriors and the Dragons, um, it's very likely he'll score the next two weeks. Some of those games, it's only solid 60s. um, But the last two weeks where the Roosters have put on a lot of points, you can kind of see how well he can go with the 76 and 82. So... Um, there is some upside there, um, particularly if he gets that double like he did last week. He can hit 80s or even 90s pretty easily. Um, and against the Warriors, uh, could go pretty well. So moving on from there, though, um, over to the Sharkies. Um, probably my favorite buy last week um, was Wade Graham. Unfortunately, we obviously didn't have the pod, so I didn't get to tell you guys that. But I mentioned it to a number of people online and, and people that direct messaged me and stuff. Um, that I, th- I think Wade Graham's a, a phenomenal purchase at the moment. Um, and he's come through with a 93 on the weekend, including a try and line break, but it was a very good try. He's only 527k, so he's pretty affordable, pretty obtainable. Best thing with Wade Graham is out of all the guys we're talking about, he's the biggest pot at 2% owned. He's coming up against the Dragons. The good thing about that is it is at home, but it is a local derby, so... Yeah, maybe they lose a bit of advantage, but their next three are at home. So against the Dragons, the Warriors, 
and the Raiders, and then he finishes off with the Tigers. So three out of the four games for the Sharkies are actually pretty easy ones, um, and he's you know he's likely to continue this form against the um, against the Dragons this week. So I, I like Wade Graham quite a bit. Um, I think he's a really good pod purchase, two percent. You can pretty much guarantee that um, any opposition coming up against this week isn't going to own him. So he is a really um, a really hot hot one at the moment um, with a 93-98. And before that, um, before he did his hamstring, around 13 to 15 when he came back, he still did um, a solid 54 average across his three games before doing his hemi. So I think the good thing with him is that he's not going to kill you because his downside um, is still going to be 50s. But he has a high attacking upside. And that's what you want to do. If you're going to get a pod in like that for one week or for a couple of weeks for head-to-heads, you want to make sure they're not a solid... You know, Clemmer's a good example. You know, Clemmer's a real solid 60s guy. He's going to give you that 65 points, and it's that's fantastic. But he's not going to be able to give you, you know, a 90 at the end of a round to win you a matchup. Um, and that's one of the things that's so important in these head-to-head finals. The Sharkies play very last of this round. You know, they're playing at points but staying at 4 o'clock on Sunday. He's the ultimate um, last trade-in as well. You know, if you want to leave it until that last game and see how you're tracking, and if you're not doing well, something like a Fafita, who's not playing this week, to a Wade Graham to get you the win um, could work well. Um, and then you get rid of a maybe a, a, Zeri, a Sherry. Sorry, if you're going to play Sherry, you can get rid of him. Um, but there's a few ways that you can do it, but playing at the end is going to really help in your matchups to get away Graham in and maybe win it for you if you're behind. Next guy is Ruben Garrick. So Ruben Garrick um, is going to be a little bit similar similar to Sebo, where, you know, with Sebo we said he's going to be in a lot of zombie teams. Garrick's going to be very similar because he started off as a cash cow at the start of the year and teams would have kept holding him because he kept making money and going up and down. Probably going to be in a lot less percentage of teams playing this week than 13% ownership that he's marked out at the moment. So... He's probably going to be closer to 7 or 8%. Um, and out of those, maybe some of them aren't going to even play him this week because he is the first game off the rank as well. 547k, so he's not cheap, but he's been playing really well. He's gone 83, 80, 43, 114, 47, 73, and 62 points um, across the last couple of months of football. A lot of that's boosted by the goal kicking. So having the goal kicking now is a massive advantage for Garrick. Um, he's not necessarily been scoring um, a huge amount of other stats aside from the scoring stats, um, but that's going to be enough for him. Um, he's he's going to pile up some points with the kicking and probably with a line break try this week, I would guess, against the Tigers. They're playing at Lotto Land. They're coming off a, a pretty bad loss against the Warriors last week. The Tigers are going to be pretty desperate too, but the Tigers' side this week is not fantastic. Um, so I would back him to go over the line for a try and be a bit of a point of difference. And the thing is, you can pretty much shock your opposition straight away by doing that. If you check your opposition that you're playing and they don't have Ruben Garrick in their side currently, I would hazard a guess that they're probably not going to be trading Ruben Garrick in. So you know that that's going to be a point of difference, unique player for that matchup straight away. Uh, and they're not going to know what, what hit them either. They're not going to see that trade-in, and you're going to get it first game on the Thursday night to go see Eagles versus the Tigers. So uh, not a bad one to consider at all. Last guy that I'm going to throw up there um, is Nathan Cleary. Cleary was dropping in ownership significantly a few weeks ago. Made it great for everyone that held him because he has gone on a really good run. Um, and to be honest, you know, it was after that Bulldogs game as well. He had a 
quite a big drop in ownership because he scored 34. Penrith were terrible, um, but you know if you take out that 34, look at the other games around it. Last week he scored 139 points. Before he's 34, he had 73, 85, and 74. So he's actually been doing really well. You know, if you've got someone like Nathan Cleary and their minimum score is 73, aside from one dud out of five games, that's that's a pretty good run. So he is a guy that can throw up some big scores for you. He's coming up against the Broncos away, but it is a game that Penrith need to win. After that, he's got the Cowboys. So as far as two-week swings go, um, he could have a couple of good rounds coming up as well. 16% ownership. Um, he should be higher than that. He's, he's one of the better halves to own. Moses is probably a better play this week, but if you've got Moses already and you can swing your second trade in your halfback position to get a Nathan Cleary in, uh, that could work really well for you. Um, and against the Broncos, uh, he, he could probably do pretty well because they haven't been looking great at the moment, uh, putting up a pretty poor effort last week. So Cleary is another one that can be a really good point of difference, um, especially if you want to use him as a reserve to try and aim for some um, bigger point swings if you need to. So there's some pot options, guys, um, or close to pot options that you consider for this week's matchups and also looking ahead the next couple of weeks as well to give everyone some options. Um, let's go into the TLT, though. And this week is a really huge week because aside from the head-to-head finals, we we have a plethora of really good matchups for Supercoach. Um, it's probably the opposite to last week, where last week it was quite a bit harder First game is the Seagulls versus the West Tigers. Um, Farrah's out with a fractured tibia, um, so he's got Little replacing him. And Tommy Talao has been named for his NRL debut with Moses Embai out as well for the Tigers. For the Seagulls, we've got Brendan Elliott coming to the centres for Parker. Kaziowski starts in the back row for Sirenen. And DC has actually been named, but he had a pretty bad ankle injury last week, so you want to make sure that you uh, double-check to make sure that he's going to be good to go before kickoff and lockout. So first things first, guys, um, when we're looking at captaincy and vice-captaincy for this one, especially in head-to-head finals, I don't think that you want to captain anyone straight up. I think you want to make sure you give yourself a, um, a double crack. Tom Trevojevic obviously stands out. He's been playing pretty average lately, um, but having said that, um, he's a pretty easy VC to throw down this week. Uh, first game gives you a lot of options to loop with. Um, and kind of can put you on the front foot as well. The the bad thing with it when looking at head-to-head finals is because he is the first game, you're not really going to have a good indication of um, who your AEs are going to be and what sort of points you're going to be looking at uh, for your enough that you put in. And the second thing is as well, you're not really going to have very much of an idea about where you are in the matchup either because probably your opposition hasn't had a lot of players play yet. A few drawbacks from it. Um, the upside is that the Seagulls really need to get back on track after dropping last week's game quite badly. And Travoyevich has been a bit quiet the last couple of weeks. And normally when that happens, he's he's going to come good. The opposition for him as well with the Tigers, they've obviously got a couple of big outs. Farrah's been really good for them. Um, Tommy Talao in the centres um, on debut next to Momorowski. Um, they're going to target that side quite a bit, I think. And Turbo could be the beneficiary of that as well. Um, the Ford pack as well, you know, the, there's a few guys on the bench that, that are probably better than their starters, like Alex 12, Taylor, and, and Eisenhuth are probably better than some of these other guys. They seem to be playing some young guys like Oliver Clark, Luke Garner, and um, Thomas McKayley, uh, provided Garner doesn't get suspended tonight. So uh, the Seagulls look pretty strong at Lotto Land for this one. 
Um, and I reckon that they're going to win. So Turbo's probably going to be at the forefront of that. As far as plays and lays for this one, uh, obviously Turbo's been disappointing, but you just have to play him. Um, his brother hasn't been phenomenal either. Been chugging along okay, Jake. You know, the Gerbo of old, we expected a lot more from. He scored 61 against the Warriors, um, which was better than his 52 the week prior. Every second week, he seems to be going 40s or 50s, um, which is quite concerning. Against the Tigers, we can hope that he finally hits some extra attack, um, which he's had basically none of since round two, when he scored his only try of the year. You'd think it surely has to be coming soon. Against those Tigers, edges and middles, you know, he should be able to find some attacking stats, I would hope. So I'm still going to play Gerbo, but it, it is very much a pod move um, when your opposition's probably going to have him to consider laying him for someone else with a bit more upside. Um, so I completely get that if you're going to go for that. Um, probably the other thing with Gerbo, though, is you've got Curtis Searin and out, who's been doing, I guess, not not ball playing as much as what Jake has, but he has been doing a lot of line running and um, kind of getting in the way of the Seagulls' attack and getting the benefit of it through getting some tries and line breaks and other attacking stats. He's not going to be there, and, and Gazowski really isn't a creative player at all. He's a worker, um, and Ciro out of that pack really takes a lot of creativity out. So there might be a chance that Jake steps up a little bit in that department and he isn't just um, you know doing a heap of tackles and passing before the line. Maybe he'll get a bit more involved or they'll run some extra plays for, between him and Turbo. We can only hope, um, but certainly Ciro out gives them um, less potency, so they're going to need something else. On the Seagull side of things, if I own DCE, you know, it's a really good matchup for him, but he he looked like he really hurt that ankle last week. So if he is named at play still, um, it's going to be a big call if you've got you know three other gun halves, whether you actually play DCE at all. Uh, I really couldn't pick that either way. He's just as likely to get three or four tries and they carve up the Tigers as he is to really be a passenger and, and score 35 points. So it's a bit of a risky one. On the Tigers side of things, there isn't really too much to talk about from a super coach perspective. Even if I owned a same master still, he's been going better lately because that's always what happens. You sell a guy and he starts going heaps better, um, but I still couldn't play him. The only other option for them is Ryan Madison. He was playing Jersey 13 again last week. You know, He had a massive game. He played really well um, in real life watching the game. He was really in everything. He was getting forced dropouts. He was um, getting offloads. He was getting tackle breaks. He was really in there doing a lot of work as well. He scored 92 points in his 76 minutes. It was a bit of a lucky game. Uh, in the 13 jump of the two weeks prior, he scored 56 and 57 points. And instead of the 76 minutes last week, he only played 62 and 61. So it does look like normally um, he's going to be playing low 60s in minutes in jump of 13. Got to remember the reason why he played 76 minutes last week was because um, they ended up with multiple injuries. So when Mbai went down, um, they had to put, I think, Chris Lawrence in the centres. So that took a forward out for them. Or it might have been Chee Cam, I'm not sure. It was one of the forwards off the bench. They also had to put Elijah Taylor, a backup forward off the bench, into hooker for Robbie Farah as well when he hurt his leg. So they basically had two forwards taken out of action outside of the pack, um, which left a lot of work touches and minutes for Ryan Madison. So I dare say he would have normally played low 60s. Um, and when he's playing low 60s, it becomes a bit hard to play him. He's got um, 57, 56 in those two games in the 60s. He was playing 80 minutes before that, and he was still scoring 55 and 57. So 
you know, in the last two months of football, he's only got two out of those eight games that are out of the 50s. Um, that's not fantastic. But both of those games are big games where he scored 92 and over 100 points. Big call. He's obviously had a good year, but he's definitely dropped off. I'm really not sure what I would do with him. I'm, I'm thinking that I would probably go for a bit of a higher upside forward playing against Manly in a game that I think Manly's going to win. But really, um, it's, it's one of those decisions that's quite difficult. As far as how I think it'll go, I think I've pretty much already said that. It's going to be Seagulls for me. I reckon that they're going to um, come back pretty hard in this one. I think there's a bit, a bit too much inexperience in this Tiger side. I reckon that uh, they're going to end up losing by 12 points plus um, at Lotto Land, and Trevojevic is going to start. So moving on to game two... We've got the Titans versus the Eels. This one here, obviously with the Titans, there's never much to really talk about of merit for Supercoach purposes. One of the things that happened last week, though, is that Jai Arrow returned. I mentioned going through the pod list for this week that um, one of the people that I said to a lot of listeners that were messaging me and stuff that I thought was one of the best buys was Wade Graham. The guy that I said for the following week, provided he played good minutes last week, was Jai Arrow as another pod. Unfortunately, Arrow only got 52 minutes, so he's not someone that we're going to be able to consider. But if he got 65 or 60 minutes even last week, he was going to be a bit of a pod purchase for this week. Um, and he might have made the Titans a little bit super coach relevant again. On the flip side, pretty much the Eels have half of their starting side that are really interesting for this game. Clint Gutherson was really disappointing last week. He scored 56 points, but it included two tries. Um, neither of them had a line break, but you'd expect a lot more than that. Having said that, if uh, I had him, I'd certainly have to play him. Um, likewise, Sebo, I've already discussed. I think he's a fantastic play. Both Nathan Brown and Manu Ma'u. Ma'u, in particular, will be running at a weak Titans edge. It gives up super coach points for sure. Um, he's a fantastic option. I've seen some people say, um, I'm going to captain him. Um, I actually think he's a really good captain choice this week. But... He'd need to be playing later in the week. As a second-game captain, I don't think it's a good move at all. Uh, and as a VC, I don't think he's going to give you enough points. So um, I don't really see much merit in that. But the eel that has got merit when we're talking about C and VC options is Mitchell Moses. He's an outstanding VC for this week, playing the second game, goal-kicking uh, against the Titans when this eel side could put on a lot of points. Um, he, his running game um, lately has been really good, and he's one of those players where we used to talk to, about him like he was a roller coaster, almost like early Sean Johnson. But he's he's come really good this season. Um, he he deserves a lot of credit for how consistent he's been. Um, he hasn't had any single digit scores at all, and people might laugh about that. But pretty much every season prior, he's had single digit scores of scoring like a nine or something like that. Um, or even scores in the teens. Um, he hasn't had anything below a 27 this year, which is his lowest score. That's actually really good for Moses. Uh, and when you dig a little bit deeper, he's actually only got two games all season that are in the 20s. And then he's got another um, two games that are in the 30s. So all season, he's got four games that are 20s or 30s. And the rest of the year, and he's only missed the bye in round 16, um, so out of 20 rounds, 16 games out of 20, he scored 40s or better. Um, and that's that's phenomenal. Um, he's also got a couple of big tons in there of 110 and 112, also 133, sorry. So he's got three big tons in there. Um, so that shows you know, how consistently he can get those tons up. He's already done three a year this year. 
He's probably due for another one, and this is probably going to be the week that he does it. So I'd 100% be throwing the VC on him because if he can throw up 133 again, or even that 110 against South, that might be enough to loop and, and get you a win if you've got some good AEs that are coming up. Uh, I just I don't see many better options as a VC than him. I, I really like it this week, um, and I don't think a lot of people are going to do it. Uh, on the flip side of things, obviously the Titans don't have much love. Um, I reckon that the Titans are going to get done by 20 points this week. I really think that the Eels are going to step up, um, and I'm going to be playing all the Eels that I have, even guys like Gutho that are being disappointing. Um, I'm going to be going for it. Um, I think it's a really good head-to-head matchup for teams to get ahead. Wanga Blake's been mentioned a couple of times. Um, if you really want like a hand grenade pod and you can't afford anybody else, um, I guess you could do it, but just keep in mind, even though he's been scoring 40s and 50s since he became an eel with a lot of um, decent base, he hasn't really scored many attacking stats all year, and they're going to see both sides more, much more, and, um, and Gutherson's getting in the way a lot as well. So just keep that in mind if you're having a look at that. But I uh, really like the matchup for the Eels. Stack your side with them. If you got them, I'd be playing them. Broncos versus Panthers. For the Broncos... Glenn and Gillett have both been named in the extended bench. Um, so we're really going to have to watch because David Fafita's become a bit of a pod. Tavita Pangai Jr. is a guy that I wanted to talk about on our pod list, but um, I wanted to keep it pretty short. He's another option. Um, he offloaded six times last week, uh, scored close to 70 points, um, and he probably was really unlucky to get an, an, another attacking stat taken off him as well. He looks fantastic for Supercoach, not so much for real life because he's offloading probably more than he should, but there's a chance if Gillette comes back, he's going to take one of those edge spots. And even if Alex Glenn comes back, he might even take one of those edge spots, but hopefully he'll take Shibasaki's center spot. So just watch out for those late changes. With the um, Panthers, we've got Maloney returning at 5'8". The rookies of uh, Crichton and Lineal have retained their spots. So... As far as VC goes, it's still the Friday night game, so you can still look at some easy VC options. I don't think there's any hugely strong ones, but Nathan Cleary might be one that you could have a look at. He's obviously coming off 133 points last week. Yes, James Maloney is back, but um, Cleary has been in in pretty good form, um, taking out that um, 34 game. The other four games out of his five-round average, he's averaged close to 90 points still. So... He's, he's doing well. Other than that, there really isn't anyone else I'd be looking at a VC, and I think that you'd be pretty mad to go a C in this one. Um, Broncos last week were probably the worst winning side I've ever seen. How they won that game, I've got absolutely no idea. It was awful to watch. Uh, I think everybody that watched it uh, has to agree. It was terrible to watch. The football they were playing was abysmal. I don't understand. Uh, obviously... I'm not going to pretend like I'm a better coach than Anthony Seafold or I know a lot more than, than these NRL coaches, but I just will never understand as a fan when you're down by points, why with a couple of minutes to go you're taking basically five forward hit-ups in the middle and kicking the ball back to the opposition. And for the last sort of, well, for most of the game, but certainly the last 10 minutes when the Broncos should have been really trying to score and bust the line, that's all they were doing. So I don't get it. Um, I'm not sure which Broncos team is going to turn up. And likewise with the Panthers, you know, they had that really bad loss against the Bulldogs when it was a critical game for them. They played better last week and were on fire against the Sharks, but that just goes to show again, I'm just not sure what side from Penrith is going to turn up. Um, If the side that 
turned up last week turns up, and it's the Broncos side that played that badly against the Cowboys, then the Panthers could put on a lot of points, um, and, the, and Nathan Cleary all of a sudden becomes a big beneficiary. But you just don't know with both these sides. So inconsistent. Um, as far as start or lay, I'm going to be laying Milford this week because he didn't come through last week with 40 points in a much better matchup than this. If I own TPJ, I'm going to have to play him, but it's going to make me pretty nervous if he gets moved back to Jersey 13. But he should be able to offload really well still um, against the Panthers, and I think he'll be up for it. He's looking like he's going to um, have a good run of form. Billy Kikau is an interesting one. Not owned by too many. Decent enough pod, but he hasn't been going too well lately. He scored 40 points last week in a game that he should have played a lot better in. Uh, I actually own Kikau for some depth. And I, I wanted to play him this week, but I'm going to keep him on the bench. What I will say with Billy Kikau is he is um, playing against the Broncos' edges that generally make some defensive mistakes and have been good for opposing edge forwards most of the season. So if he's going to get back and hit a line break try, um, this is probably going to be one of the weeks that he does it out of the, the remaining weeks for him. So I don't think he's a bad play at all. Um, you just have to know sort of what you're going to get. Otherwise, it's probably going to be 40 points. So makes it a bit tough. I really don't know how this game is going to go. I think the, the Panthers are going to win just purely on last week's form. I know the Open go past them, and I reckon they might be, say, seven-point winners um, up at Suncorp. But, yeah, anyone's guess how the game goes for each of these teams. Knights-Cowboys is the next one on the Saturday. Connor Watson starting at hooker. we got Glasby out, replaced a lot by King. SASA returning on the bench. For the Cows... Um, Jordan McLean's back from his calf injury um, and Maguire's out with suspension so they just change spots and Kahu's back from injury to replace Mosby who had a bit of an unhappy week last week. Captaincy options and vice-captaincy options first of all. With the Knights side of things, Caelan Pong has actually been spoken about quietly with a few teams considering trading him out. He wasn't as involved as what you would have hoped last week, uh, and his score was very underwhelming. So I think a few people got burned actually putting a C on him as well. 41 points against the Eels uh, wasn't great. 43 points against the, the Manly Seagulls the week before. So he's had two poor weeks, um, and he hasn't really done two poor weeks like that all season. He's been a rock as far as his consistency in high scores. Doesn't have the goal kicking anymore either. So that makes it a little bit harder because he might have been able to hit 50s in the last couple of weeks had he had the goal kicking. Having said all of that, um, you know, the Cowboys playing at Newcastle um, and the Newcastle side having a fair bit of pressure on them to get performing um, and a little bit being made in the media lately about Caelan Ponga, whether he's worth, you know, 1.5 million that they're reportedly asking for and whatever. I do think that he's going to fire against the Cowboys. The other thing to consider with um, Ponga, and, and some people believe this, some people don't, I believe that when players are playing against their ex-teams, particularly their uh, recent ex-teams, that they 100% step up. You know, Ponga's from up the Cowboys area. He debuted up there with them. Um, they're coming back to his his new home to play him, and they're a side that's, that's um, out of the eight as well and out of contention. So... Not exactly great opposition. He's going to want to show him up. I think he's going to get involved. Um, and I think he's a bit of a... I, I think he's definitely a good VC option for this week because he does have those back-to-back tons in round 10 and 11 of 118, 112 that I would loop with a good AE coming this week. He's playing at a reasonable time. Um, 
I think it would be a ballsy play to put the C on him, but I would understand why because he. I think it would be unlikely that he's not going to get you a solid 70-plus at a minimum as a captain. Despite the last couple of weeks of poor form, I expect him to step up. So I really like him this week. So not only would I not be trading him, um, I'd 100% be playing him. And if you're looking ahead, you know, the Cowboys is a good matchup at home. He's then got the West Tigers, and then he hits the Gold Coast Titans at home. And I'd just be inclined to throw the C straight on him against the Titans at home at McDonald Jones Stadium. And then he hits Penrith away um, at Penrith Stadium. So... His month of football isn't bad at all. Uh, so there's no way I'd be trading him. And I'd certainly be playing him this week. And I would consider a, um, a VC on him potentially as well. David Clem has been really solid. Um, but one of the things that I was chatting to someone about today, um, and we may as well talk about Tom Malolo at the same time. Tom Malolo has had his minutes cut since they've been mathematically out of contention. I would be a little bit worried that Nathan Brown does that with Clemmer. Um, I'm still probably going to have to play him. But, yeah, it, there's a chance that his minutes go down. The last two weeks, Jason Tomalolo has gone down to 56 and 58 minutes. There's no way that's a coincidence. Um, he's averaged 65 minutes for the year, um, and that was actually around 67 minutes before the last two weeks. Um, so he's dropped basically, you know, from two weeks ago, he's dropped 10 minutes a game on what he's averaging now. That's huge because that's um, basically 11, 12 points easy for Tomalolo that he's dropped. So, you know, he scored 55 last week. In the good old days of, you know, three or four weeks ago, uh, that would have been more like 67. And he's 65 the week before would have been uh, getting close to 80 in the high 70s. So definitely, I think Paul Green is starting to rest him. And why wouldn't you? This is a $10 million contracted player who is now out of contention at making the eight, and they've got some young forwards to give minutes to, I certainly wouldn't be running Jason Tomalolo into the ground. I don't see any way he's playing minutes hitting 60s again, uh, and I'm going to be a bit concerned that that's going to be clever as well now. Um, Nathan Brown even came out and said on Fox Sports during the week um, that um, he one of the mistakes he thinks that he made was that he ran the, um, the Knights' origin players into the ground a little bit. He wanted to rest them and reduce their minutes more than what he did. Um, and he regrets that a little bit. So, yeah, I'd be slightly worried about Clemmer. Just um, be mindful of that. But he has been very solid. His work rate's been great. Uh, probably still need to play him because his minutes haven't reduced yet. Um, on the cow side of things, um, Tom Alolo is the guy and really the only guy to talk about in this matchup. It's a bit of a tough one because the Knights haven't been playing too well. So Tom Alolo is the type of player to really make mitts meet in that middle if they're not going to stand up. But if he's only playing 55 minutes, then he might be very capped at a score in the low 60s or even 50s if he doesn't have a great game. He's probably not going to hit 70s in that sort of time unless he gets like a big attacking stat like a line break um, or a try himself. So it's a risky lay, but if you need some uniques, you know, this is a good opportunity to have a look at some risky moves because it is the fourth game of the round. So if it falls and a lot of your uniques in your matchup for your head-to-head um, on your opposition have already played and you're really far behind and they've had some big scores, um, it might it might be a move to make to try and catch up to put a higher ceiling guy in than, uh, than Jason Tomalolo and take a punt. Uh, I'd probably play him in a vacuum just looking at this week still. Uh, but yeah, if, if you end up behind and you need to make a big play... Benching him makes sense just to get you through this week and get a win because at the moment I'd probably peg him for between 55 and 65 points right now with his minutes. 
as far as how the game goes, I expect the Knights to bounce back. I reckon that they're going to be a uh, 12-point-plus winner, um, or at least double-digit winner. And uh, I think that um, the Cowboys are going to fall down pretty badly this week. Storm vs Raiders is the next one. And, geez, this is a blockbuster. The, the Sunday football last week, how good was it? Uh, having the top four sides play last Sunday, I sent out a tweet saying that um, you know this football is in stark contrast to the rest of the round. Last round of footy started off so terrible. Uh, it was just it was really hard to watch. And you know I'm a footy tragic. I will watch every single game. You know, and even though um, I was quite busy and my wife was you know obviously heavily pregnant, waiting for our first child to pop out, I still watched every game. And they were terrible, and I still watched it because I am a tragic. But by the time I got to Sunday, I was pretty worn down from bad football. And then those two games on Sunday were so much better. Really, really made the round. This game's going to be another great one. Storm versus Raiders um, at Amy Park. Um, I expect it to be a blockbuster. For the Storm, we've got Jerome Hughes and Pappenhausen Hughes and back. And... That means that Hines uh, drops out of the side and Billy Walters drops off the bench. For the Raiders, they've got to begin with Joey Leitlua back. Um, and that moves Nick Kotrick to the wing, Simonson to the bench, which is an interesting play. Um, that does mean that there's only a three-forward bench because I don't think that Simonson's going to come on and play in the back in the back row. So that's actually really good to take note of. If you own um, particularly a Papali as a bit of a pod option, that could see his minutes go up because, generally speaking, Havili has come in and, and played in the middle a bit as well. So maybe a Papali or one of those other middles um, can get more minutes. The other thing is it might just go to Joe Tarpany, who, um, who played pretty well last week as well. So maybe it's a bit super coach irrelevant. Ryan Sutton's come back in recently as well, and he hasn't been playing huge minutes. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one on their forward rotation for those props. Papali's been playing really well for the Raiders. With uh, the C and VC options, I don't think I'd be VCing or seeing anyone in this as much as it's a blockbuster for real life, and I can't wait to watch it. Uh, it could be it could be really dire for Supercoach purposes. I um I, I'd always be loath to to bench a Cam Munster um, because of his upside. Um, he is playing in Navy Park, so it's I, I would think that you have to play him. Um, it's a bit. It's one of those decisions where I, I really don't know. I couldn't even give advice on it. I really don't know what I would do. I would play it based on my matchup and wait and see on Saturday how your matchup's looking. Whether you need to use Munster to go to another pod. Um, certainly with a tough matchup this week. You know if if you, if it's life or death for you when you get to this Saturday game at five thirty at Amy Park and you're going to lose your matchup. Going a Cam Munster to a Cody Walker in the last game, that would be a trade that would potentially save you. You know, if if you need a 100-point score, you're much more likely to get that from Cody Walker playing the Dogs than what you are from Cam Munster playing the Raiders with the Raiders having the number one defense in the competition. So that's a bit of a play where you would think ordinarily you'd rather have Cam Munster for the run home, but if it's going to end your season... Um, you might want to consider going to Cody Walker. Cam Munster still, you know, is Cam Munster. He could go well at home. Um, Cameron Smith is another interesting one. He's obviously been a superstar this year again. And last week, he turned up again. Unfortunately for me, I played a, a Munster Cam Smith side last week, and that just absolutely killed me. Cam Smith has gone four out of his last five games with tons. 
which is incredible. Um, and I'm pretty certain that no other player this year has actually done that. So in the last five rounds, he's got 101, 102, 53, 108, and 100. Um, his opposition for that, he's had some bad opposition, including the Gold Coast, but the rest of it has been the Sharkies, the Seagulls, uh, the Broncos and Souths. It hasn't been the worst. Um, he's got a couple of stronger teams in there. In the form that he's in, and with a five-round average of 93, I don't think that anybody could bench him. Even though I was saying that I don't want to play anyone in this game, I would still have to play Cam Smith because of that. On the Raiders side of things, there's obviously um, going to be Bateman as a number one player for them. Has been probably the best, the best rookie that we've seen come in for quite some time. He scored another big score on the weekend, even though he was playing the Roosters, um, where you know maybe it would have been a, a sort of a pod play to bench him. He still scored 80 points, um, and he did that with a um, a try line break assist um, in there, which was pretty handy. Um, he was really in the thick of everything. I expect him to be in that again with Melbourne. Um, probably what I would say is the last time he played Melbourne, he did well with 69 points, but Melbourne at Amy Park is much a different beast. He played Melbourne at GIO Stadium um, in round two. It's definitely going to be different in Amy Park. They rarely lose their Melbourne, and they definitely get um, the rub of the green and the calls, which a lot of home sides do, but they seem to have a pretty good home advantage. The pod play really might be to bench John Bateman for this week if you're behind. Um, he's another guy of those superstars that if you're going to lose anyway and you need a unique, um, getting Bateman on your reserve list and popping someone else in that might be um, you know, in that South Sydney game versus the Bulldogs or, or the last game with the, the Sharkies versus the Dragons, um, that might make sense um, to play catch-up and you can kind of hope that maybe you know, Bateman gets you know, a 52 or something like that and you can beat that with someone else that you pop in. It's a big set of balls if you're going to bench him, though, because obviously he's had a really good season, and against the Roosters last week, he still scored 80 points. The other guys um, that should really get some note here, Jared Croker had a good game last week, scoring 65 points. But the big news is Papa has been fantastic um, for a couple of months now, uh, but we've spoken about him before. Someone who, who we haven't spoken about for quite some time is Josh Hodgson. He deserves some massive props. He's He's been absolutely on fire since he returned from injuries. So um, if you've listened to our podcast for um, a, a fair while in the preseason, in our preseason previews, uh, I was huge on Josh Hodgson as a starting hooker because he was cheap in price and he finished last year on fire. Obviously went really poorly to start the year. It was super disappointing and hurt himself um, in round 11 just was looking like he was going to have a terrible season. But when he came back in round 15, I'm not sure what it is that clicked with him because he looked like that he was having a, a real secondary spot in the attack from the first round, and I thought that Ricky had maybe changed the structure a little bit. But round 15 onwards, he's gone 66 points, 110 points, 53 points, 46, 106, and 78. That 78 last week was against the Roosters again, um, so good opposition. Um, and you know, 106 versus the Warriors a week before, and he's got 110 uh, versus the Dragons at Wynn Stadium in round 17. He's been playing exceptional, um, and I'm actually really looking forward to in this game the the Cam Smith versus Josh Hodgson battle. I think that that might be worth the price of admission alone. Uh, that's going to be fantastic. So I wouldn't play Hodgson this week because I just couldn't against the Storm Ruck. 
but he has been a really good option the last month of football, so um, he's really been putting up numbers. I think it's going to be tight. I really liked how Canberra played last week. From a super coach perspective, everyone still played well against the Roosters. Aside from Bateman, though, I'm going to be pretty limited in, in being able to consider anybody else from the Canberra side. I think that the Storm are going to come out on top in a really good game. I reckon it might even be a golden point one where uh, the Storm get on top by one point. And it's probably going to be Cairns with field goal again to get up another ton that we weren't expecting. But, um, yeah, it should be a fantastic one. Maybe not so good for Supercoach, though. So just watch out for your changes you might want to make from that game based on your matchup. Uh, South versus Bulldogs is our next one. Adam Reynolds has been named, but he did look pretty injured last week. Sam Burgess is actually coming in for um, to play a prop. And then we've got Sewer getting a starting edge spot. And Braden Burns returning for the dog side of things. There's actually no changes, but there's a chance that Kieran Foran comes in. Dogs have been play, playing pretty well lately. They've um, they've been getting the wins, and they haven't been getting um, flogged in a lot of games, like against the Roosters and so forth. People expecting them to go huge, and the Roosters didn't go huge, and the Dogs have just been really competitive. Beat the Tigers last week when I tipped the Tigers to win. Um, so I really can't... Um, I really can't bash the Bulldogs and, and say it's going to be great playing them for Supercoach because it hasn't been lately. Um, but in saying that, you know, the Rabbits are going to be coming off smarting after last week's um, disappointing loss to the Storm. So I do think the Rabbits are going to bounce back and they are going to put up some attacking stats. Obviously, if I own any Rabbits, I'm going to play them. Um, that's that's a given. Um, but the guys that become really interesting in the VC and C conversation... It's probably going to be pretty hard at this point of the week to VC anyone. Cody Walker's definitely the ballsy guy. He's been in form the last three weeks, like I said, with his stats. He's gone 60, 70, and 108 points. So he's definitely in form. Um, I certainly think that he could be in for a try. Cam Murray's been playing great as well. Um, But the guy that's really interesting for me is Damien Cook. Cookie went for 45 last week. When you're talking about pod benchings, if anyone benched him last week, you're an absolute... Genius. Uh, actually, updated to 50, sorry. The week before, he hit 91, though. 65 and 80. He had a pretty good few weeks rolling up to that Storm game. When he played the Bulldogs in round six, he scored a solid 69 points, uh, which is a decent captaincy knock. Um, but one of the things I like to look at with some of these matchups is um, with someone like Cook that was throwing out tons, how long has it been since he's thrown out a ton? And... If you go all the way back to round five, that was his first ton. And he went 115, then he went 69, 52, then he turned up again with 109, then he turned up again with 146, then he had a break with uh, 69, and then he turned up again with 124. Played reduced minutes in round 13, and since then he hasn't hit a ton. So he's gone a couple of months of football um, without hitting a ton. He got very close with 91 in round 20 but he's only hit 90s once as well. So he's probably due, um, and against the Bulldogs being his old club, um, I think that he's going to have a big game. So I actually think that he's one of the better captaincy options for this week, just for the outright seat. Um, I don't think you're going to get a disappointing score out of him. I think that it's going to be at least uh, solid 60s against the Dogs, um, and particularly in that ruck. Um, he, he could go pretty well. Sam Burgess back is potentially big for him as well. He's thrown a lot of good balls to Burgess, albeit with Burgess running on the um, on the edge. Um, Burgess is still coming in a little bit into the middle from the edge to run off Cook. And with Burgess playing the, the prop jumper, um, he could be looking at 
putting Burgess over. Um, and Sam has been able to find the line this year when he's been on the field. So, yeah, Cook, I reckon, is a fantastic option. Um, the numbers say he looks good as a C. You probably need to see what your opposition is doing, like always, but he's probably the best one that I like um, out of this game. I wouldn't be considering anyone else. Obviously, from the Bulldog side of things, uh, we just, we discussed guys like CHN and um, Hoppelardi in the past as um, pod options. Um, Hopper's been in really good form. The Rabbits haven't exactly had sterling defense lately, so you might go all right with playing him um, if you do own him and you're one of those coaches that went for a pod. He only scored 40 last week, but it was in a pretty dour game, so that was kind of a low score for him. Before that, he was going 72, 80, 54, 112, 79, 77, so he has been on fire, and I'd probably play him as a safe option if at that point of the round I needed a safe option rather than a high-ceiling one, then he probably will be your guy. I do think the Rabbits will bounce back. Um, I do think this is a week where the Dogs will lose by a bit and it won't be close. Uh, so I like the uh, the 10-plus South Sydney side of things. Um, and for the sports bet stuff, geez, Cody Walker's close to $4 to score a try. I reckon that's pretty good value money as well. Let's move on to the Roosters-Warriors to round out our round on the Sunday games. And we've got Boyd Cordner in the extended bench. That's going to be pretty big. So... Takiyaho is out, um, but Boyd Cordner could come in. If he does, Angus Crichton owners might want to um, be paying a fair bit of attention on whether they start him or not because there's a chance that Cordner comes in and Crichton's back on the bench um, and there could be a, sh- a bit of a shuffle. The other thing that might happen is um, Verrill's got hurt last week. Um, he's been cleared and been named, but it's really hard to tell with Robbo whether that's going to stick. If it doesn't, it can, it can mean one of two things. It could mean that um, if Cordner comes in, Orbo plays at hooker, but it's probably more likely going to mean that Victor Radley is going to play hooker. Um, so for anyone that does own Victor Radley, and he has been a bit of a pod the last month of footy, he played really well. Um, just be aware of that as well with those changes there. For the Warriors, Cody Nikarima has been named on the extended bench and he's gunning for a return. There has been some rumours that um, Cody was going to be put into hooker potentially by Kearney, so just keep that in mind as well. Um, particularly for Tavaga owners. I would expect that he might go back to 13 and just start there. Lachlan Berg goes back to the bench. That might be a late change that happens. Obviously, um, captaincy and vice-captaincy options here. Vice-captaincy, you're not going to be able to really do it, um, but captaincy, the one that stands out, is James Tedesco. So we've discussed um, whether Trevojevic and whether Ponga are both match-up proof as far as captaincy options go, and I think the last couple of weeks, both of those... Um, arguments have, <laughs> have hit a wall if you thought that they were because both of them have hit 40s for the last two weeks running. But Tedesco has just kept on keeping on. He played fantastic again against Canberra, scored 82 points, and in the form that he is in, playing the Warriors, um, I said that Damien Cook's one of my favourite captaincy options this week. I'd say Teddy is, is right there with him, if not above him. He scored 82 against the Raiders and before that went 155, 99 and 95. So it's going to be a brave man playing New Zealand in Sydney with that run of games that Tedesco has had to not throw the sea on him. Uh, probably the only bad thing for overall players is that um, a lot of people are probably going to be throwing the sea on him. And for head-to-head players too, you know, you're probably going to go into your matchup on Thursday and find that uh, your opposition, a lot of the oppositions that people are playing have already got the captaincy on Tedesco. So that makes things a little bit difficult because a lot of the time, if you're going to match 
that captaincy option you, you in in your behind, it's not going to get you anywhere. You're going to end up losing the the round. So I love Teddy for the captaincy. Um, I'm probably going to be doing it myself just ahead of Damian Cook. Reckon that he's going to have a, a great game. Other guys that I'm definitely starting as far as play or lay, definitely playing Tupo uh, and Latrell. Both of those guys might have a field day there. And Luke Curie, who we named as one of the pods. It's probably more of a question on the Warriors side of things. Who are you going to play and lay? Now, there is a fair few teams that still own Roger Tuovasa-Shek, and for good reason. He's had, a, he's had a great year. He is coming up against the Roosters side, um, who he's done pretty well um, against in the past because, again, generally he steps up because he's old club. He scored. He hasn't, uh, hasn't actually played them this year yet, sorry. So this is his first game against them. But he scored 47 and 38 the last two weeks. For the Warriors as a whole... Oh, I think they're actually going to struggle against the Roosters. I wouldn't play Tuvaza Sheik this week. I think that there's too many other higher upside options. A lot of the time when I'm saying I'm not going to play someone, though, one of the things that I'm looking at is whether I, how I think that game is going to go because I think that answers your question a lot of the time. For me, I think the Roosters are going to be 13-plus winners pretty easily. Um, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they really sharp against the Warriors this weekend and up 20 to 26-point margin winners. I, I think they could really put on a score. So... In that type of game, I don't see any Warriors. Um, Roger Tuvasa, Sheck, or Mamola, who has been great players. If you disagree with that and you think that the um, the Warriors are going to step up and give the Roosters a bit of a game, and you know it's maybe going to be a margin of you know eight points or ten points, then you know, maybe Roger and Mamalo become better players. It really depends on how you see the game going. But I just see the Roosters pounding them this week. Not just saying that as a Roosters fan. I don't think that I would want to be playing any of those um, Warriors guys are going to be relying on attack like Roger or Mamolo. One guy that doesn't rely on attack, though, is Jazz Tavaga. So Tavaga's obviously gone to hooker, and he's still kept on going well at the number nine jersey. Maybe a chance he goes back to 13, but I tell you what, it really hasn't made any difference. It's been pretty astonishing how much of just a staple play that Tavaga has become. He has been one of the best um, forward options to play every single week since he got that starting 13 jumper. He's only scored, his lowest score is 50, and he's only scored below 69 points twice in his last eight games since, oh, sorry, only one, uh, yeah, only once he's um, fallen below 60s in points in his last seven games. So he's got 78, 73, 69, 70, and 87 in his last five, more importantly. So that gives him a five-round average of 75 points. And he's done two out of those five, being the last two weeks at number nine with 78, 73 points. Um, and last week, he only played 62 minutes to get his 78 points, albeit with a try. He's just a super coach points machine. The last two weeks when he scored his 78, 73, it's been against Manly and against Canberra. So it's not like that um, he's dropping off against the tougher sides. It really doesn't seem to matter who Jazz Tabarga is playing. He seems to be doing it against absolutely every side that he plays. So because of that, I just I don't think that there's any way that looking at the numbers that you can bench him. Um, even against the Roosters, I would just play him. I just think that he's a play every week at the moment. And the fact that he's a pod and under 10% owned um, makes him a phenomenal play for the head-to-head matchups as well. So... He's he's the only worry that I would actually be playing this week. Um, like I said, I expect the Roosters to be 13-plus winners pretty easily. Moving along, we've got the Sharks versus Dragons for the last game of the round. Pretty big one. Um, Andrew Fafita's out with his knee injury. 
Matt Pryor has been named, but still has to prove his fitness. And George Josh Dugan comes back to centre um, with Morris back to the wing. And rookie Ronaldo Militalo going because Moylan is back. So Sharky's back line looks um, pretty full strength now. The Dragon side of things, Tarek Sim has been out for the season now because he has a groin injury and they've opted for surgery for it now since they're out of the finals contention. Leilua takes his place, um, who played quite well last week, and Blake Laurie's back on the bench. Interesting one because these two teams always go at each other really hard, being um, you know the St. George versus Shire rivalry um, that's been going on for many years. Um, generally a lot of tight games. The Sharks came back hard last week ended up coming close to uh, a really big comeback against um, Penrith, but ended up falling short 26-20. I think against the Dragons side that they could do really well. I wouldn't be looking at any captaincy options in this one, even though it's the last game of the round. If you had a Hail Mary one that you had to do, with the Roosters playing the game before, you're going to know in advance um, if you, you know, your matchup's going to be over if you leave your captaincy on Tedesco. I would think that probably if you couldn't, Captain Tedesco, because your um, opposition was going to match you, that Latrell Mitchell would be a better Hail Mary for you. But um, the other one would be if you wanted to you know, go away Graham or something and, and hope that Graham continues his form in 90s the last couple of weeks. But the biggest one for me is going to be Sean Johnson. Um, he will be the Hail Mary player of this round because he's been playing phenomenal football lately, ever since the papers started saying that uh, Sharks should dump him, he should be put in reserve grade or whatever. He's gradually started playing a bit better. And the last three rounds, he has just exploded. He's got 99 points last week against Penrith, 86 a week before against the Aps and 108 versus the Cowboys the week before that. In saying that, as much as people have had a go at his form, for super coach purposes, since he returned from injury in round 14, he's actually played really well. So for that two months of football, he's got 39, 76, 20, 98, 52, 108, 86, and 99. He's only got two bad scores in there. Only one of them's a massive dud at the 20. Uh, And certainly the last month of football, he's back to the old Short Johnson. So not only is he a definite play, I think that if you have to get to the end of the round and captain someone um, to win your matchup that's not a popular captaincy choice, I would 100% be putting it on Sean Johnson. Um, playing at home at Shark Park versus Dragons. Uh, I think there could be quite a few points in this one. Um, on the Dragons side of things, uh, no captaincy options. Um, and realistically, um, it, it might be hard to play any of these guys. But if you got on last week to some of these guys for a one-weeker um, with a lot of teams needing to get into the finals and stuff for head-to-heads and maybe needing to win last week, you did really well. Um, and I, I chatted to a lot of people about both Ben Hunt and Gareth Whittam as options, you know, and both of them just killed it last week. And the reality is that the Dragons had, I think, four players that scored 90 to 100-something points. So Hunt and, um, Hunt and Whittam went great last week. I don't think you're going to get that this week, though. If you do own any of those guys as layovers from last week, I'm pretty sure I'd be benching them. Um, I'm sure that you've got some better options than them to be playing. I reckon that the, the Dragons put up a bit of a fight, but the Sharks are going to have too much class and they're going to be too hungry to to remain in the eight. Um, so I'm going to call them uh, double-digit victors again uh, with the potential to put on a lot of points if the Dragons don't turn up. I'm going to be playing definitely Sean Johnson. Um, the, the couple of guys that I'll finish on talking about, uh, a lot of people still own Bronson Sherry and also Britton Nakora is still the number one owned player, um, around 55%. So he's still way up there. 
Pod option is definitely to bench Nakora uh, to play someone else. Um, a lot of the head-to-head matchups are going to have Nakora in them. But in saying that, you know, if he's going to score another try, and he scored a try twice out of his last four, so the attack's been coming, he's got a decent chance on the Dragon's Edge, particularly now that um, they're a little bit under strength in that forward pack. Those edges could be a bit weak. Uh, so... It's a bit of a shot in the dark. He went 38 points last week. The week before when he did get that try, the death, he went up to 63. The week before he didn't get his try, it was 42. And the week before, he got his try and scored 103. Running off Sean Johnson hot. He's managed twice in the last month of football to go over the line. Really depends on whether you think he's going to do that against the Dragons. If Nakora doesn't go over the line, um, he's, he's not going to give you a good score. I would probably lean towards benching him still. Um, for this week, because he is so highly owned, I'd rather play someone else with, uh, I guess, higher upside than what Nakora has. Um, as far as Sherry goes, it wouldn't surprise me if he uh, busts out this week against the Dragons and scores some points. He scored a solid 52 on the weekend, but didn't score a try. The two weeks before that, when he did score tries, he scored 99 and 83. Uh, so I would be inclined to probably play Sherry this week, because he does have that upside that Nakora does not have. Um, so that probably finishes up our TLT for the week, guys. Um, I'm sorry that my voice is a bit croaky. I've had a bit of a cold uh, the last week. I understand that without Billy on, it's just me talking. Hopefully you guys still enjoyed it and got some good info out of it. Uh, I still enjoy chatting about Supercoach anyway, so um, I'm happy to always jump on. But um, next week, we may or may not be on. We'll have to wait and see what's happening with my baby, but... Otherwise, until then, um, you can download us as normal on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, certainly follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All-Stars. All the head-to-head players, best of luck this week in your matchups. I hope you get through and continue on in the finals. Uh, and all the overall players, hopefully this week's a good one for you to start to move up in the final month of footy. And until next time, we'll chat again soon.